Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 14th of December 2022. Happy Wednesday, hump day. That's right. Getting closer to that weekend. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Please keep doing all of that and more if you please. Some of you have taken the rant in the Weekend F and Review about pickup truck owners to heart. I was expressly, I was clear about that. It is not, not a personal attack. It's more for comedic effect. And all good comedy is based in truth. But it does not mean that you are history's greatest monster because you drive a pickup truck. It just means that history's greatest monsters drive pickup trucks that are far too big for them. Don't take it personally, man. It's just for fun. Check it out and everything else at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Check it all out. Sign up for the show. Enter the contest. Win an autographed Donald Trump book in time for Christmas. You can't lose. Well, you can lose because somebody else could win. But check it out. Appreciate the support. Tis the season to give, ladies and gentlemen. And while it's not tax deductible, it's only five bucks a month for crying out loud. All right. And it's not personal, for God's sakes. God knows I'm going to insult everybody. I'd drive a pickup truck if I could afford to drop 70 grand on a car that'll never see a job site. Nah, I'm just digging a deeper hole. All right. That's enough. Let's get on with the show. There is a lot going on in the world, as always. It really is. I'm going to have to look this up about... Uh, a transgender hockey game that led to a concussion because guess what a dude hit a chick but don't worry they're all women or they're all trans or whatever i don't know what the qualifications are except for that you have to have some sort of problem and uh, embrace it god help us all what the hell is wrong with these people Actually, there's a lot wrong with these people. Anyway, we, we covered that yesterday. We don't have to cover it again today until there are uh, other things. Oh, wait a second. What is this? This could be interesting. Law and Crime blog. I love it when people stand up for the against the left and win. And win. Ex-college soccer player scores win in First Amendment suit against coach who benched her after she refused to take a knee. These leftists, it's really about conformity. It's about control. We've got some inflation numbers we'll get to in a second, but this story, let's see. A former college soccer player scored her first win in her First Amendment lawsuit against Virginia Tech coach who benched her in alleged reprisal for her refusal to support the Black Lives Matter influence kneeling gestures aborted by most of her teammates in 2020. A federal court recently ruled that the ex-player Kirsten Hennings claim against her one-time coach Charles Chugger Adair. First of all, dude, if your name is Chugger, your nickname is Chugger, you had some fun in college. And you, if you're demanding everybody conform, you ain't that person anymore. You're a loser, uh, are worthy of being decided by a jury, declining a motion for summary judgment filed by the coach. The case, from Henning's perspective, stems from when she and two teammates declined to kneel 
during the Atlantic Coast Conference's unity statement, which was read on stadium loudspeakers prior to the season opener against the University of Virginia in September 2020. The Hokies ultimately lost the game 3-1 to to the Hoos. Whatever, I don't know. Hennings claimed that her refusal to kneel resulted in Adair berating her during halftime and then complaining during a film session the next week that she was bitching and moaning, end quote. The former player also claims her then-coach severely limited her playing time as a result of her not kneeling. Quote Henning, who had been a major on-field contributor, on-field contributor to, for two years prior to the 2020 season, also asserted that Adair removed her from the starting lineup for the next two games and drastically reduced her playing time in those games because she had engaged in this protected First Amendment activity. Now she won. They wanted the case dismissed. Good, good for them. Fight back everywhere you can. At a minimum, you'll cause all these people, if you've got a legitimate case, and even if you ultimately lose, you'll end up punishing these people by publicly humiliating them and or costing them a ton of money because, yeah, cost them a ton of money. To hell with these people. <laughs> Just find it disgusting. Speaking of a ton of money, we have new inflation numbers, and boy, howdy, is the left beside itself. You can tell that things are uh, bad when, if you just look at the numbers objectively and think to yourself, what if the parties are switched? What would the reaction of these people be? You'd know immediately that it is. it would be the other way around. It would be 180 degrees in the other direction. But instead, I suppose we'll get a statement from Joe Biden. Well, inflation is coming down. Things are going good. Inflation for the last month, for November, year over year, is 7.1%, meaning it costs you 7.1% more for everything on average this year, this November, than it did last November. Now, that sounds horrible, right? Did you get a 7.1% raise last year? You probably did. I hope you did. Hope you got a a 10% raise. Or, you know, the friend of mine once pointed out, this is when we were making, like, entry-level money. And, like, oh, even if you get, when our bosses were giving out, like, 3 and 4% raises. And we were all supposed to go, oh, my God, it's wonderful. What a 4% raise. This is amazing. And I know it sounds really bitchy and ungrateful, but it's this is how people think. This is definitely how people think. And, and if not, it's how they should think. Because you go, ooh, 4% raise, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, that's okay when inflation is 1%, as it was under Republicans. But when inflation's 7.1%, your 3% raise is a 4% pay cut, essentially, in buying power. But my friend was like, you know, you got a, I got a 4% raise. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about the uh, 4% raise. Why? I said, Four, I'm making $25,000 a year. 4% is nothing. 4% spread out over 26 pay periods is really nothing, especially when you deduct taxes. I'm like, I never thought of it that way. I thought I was cynical, and I'd never thought of it that way. But it's true. It's true. Even a 10% raise, you're making 25 thousand dollars a ten percent raise is twenty five hundred dollars now if you got all twenty five hundred dollars we hear that you go get twenty five hundred dollars that's great who wouldn't take twenty five hundred dollars but then you take twenty five hundred dollars divided by 
26 pay periods and it's less than $100 per pay period. Then you take out taxes and then you go, wait a second, this, I'm, not, I'm not able to move into the Ritz-Carlton. What's happening here? Anyway, beside the point, going off on a tangent there. Uh, yes, the liberals in the media are wildly excited over this because, not because 7.1% is so great, although many of them are trying to convince you of that, it's that 7.1% is less than the expected 7.3%. 7.3%. Now, if you're sitting, if, like me, I'm sitting there going, 0.2%, two-tenths of a point. Is that really cause for celebration? We're eating steak tonight, honey. Inflation was two-tenths of a percent lower than expected, than economists expected. Economists, by the way, who've never been right. They've never hit the nail on the head. I can't remember a single time, not just in this inflationary period of Biden's horrible economics, but in my entire lifetime. I do not remember a time where the story was, yeah, economists nailed it. Economists nailed it dead, solid, perfect. Boy, how did they nailed it? They nailed it. I don't remember a time like that. It's always, it was greater than economists expected, or it was not, it was less than economists expected. Because economists suck. Look, if economists were any good at predicting the future of business and the economic cycle, they'd all be filthy rich, right? They would have invested according to their spidey sense tingling and retired long ago on a pile pile of cash that they're sitting around at think tanks, granted making, you know, low six-figure salaries, which ain't nothing to sniff at, but, you know, they're... uh, that they're doing that rather than sitting on a beach lighting cigars with $100 bills is an indication that maybe, just maybe, they are not. Their crystal ball is really mostly just decoration, and it might actually be a snow globe if you shook it. But while they say, oh, 7.1%, this is great, let's look at the details, shall we, year over year. The overall consumer price index, 7.1%, but the price of gasoline over the last year till now, November to November, is up 10.1%. That's more than 7.1%. See, you'll dig into the numbers, and then you begin to realize that the way government calculates these figures is in the way that is most favorable to them. Long time ago, after the Carter fiasco, massive inflation, Massive inflation, 25% interest rates or whatever it was, way up there. It was a disaster for the economy, and people kept on looking at the inflation numbers, and we're up to the double-digit inflation. So our government, both parties, because ultimately both parties are worthless, Republicans never changed it back, they fought to change the way inflation was calculated, excluding certain things, weighing certain things differently. Now, why would you do that? Why would you, if this is how, if if height is always calculated one way, from the, you know, from the, you're, you're standing up to the top of your head, from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, that's your height. Well, if you're not tall enough or you don't like the numbers that you're getting, you could change how height is measured. Make yourself taller. Well, yes, height is 
from the feet to the top of the head, but it's from behind the back, down the heel, and to the tip of the toes. So you don't have to stand on your tippy toes, but you count however long your feet is, too, and suddenly you're five, six inches taller by the same unit of measure. You're not ready to sign up for the NBA because it applies to everybody, but you would be able to fool a lot of people who don't know anybody. You're, you're, uh, I went from 6'5 to, uh, I don't know, my feet are size 15, so I might have gone up to 7 feet by that new unit of measure, if it really mattered to me. It only really matters to people who are short. Well, inflation really only matters to people who are in politics, how you calculate the number. We just want the number. And we don't even really care about the number. We go to the grocery store, we go to the gas station, we recognize that things are costing us more, and we want them to cost less. We don't really care how it comes about. So gas is up 10.1%. Fuel oil, which is about to become very important. I saw a report this morning that uh, we stand a chance of a white Christmas, which would be cool. Hadn't had one of those in a long time. But we also stand a pretty good chance of a really, really cold Christmas, whether it snows or not, in a huge swath of the United States, all the way down to Texas. Zero, sub-zero, cold temperatures all across the country. Well, guess what that's going to cause people to do? It's going to cause people to turn their thermostats up. Well, I know Jimmy Carter would prefer everybody just put on a sweater. but And Joe Biden probably would give that speech unless Ron, Ron Klain would throw himself on that speech like it were a grenade. Going, Don't you dare! But it is 65% more expensive to heat your home than it was last year if you use fuel oil, which many, many, many people do, particularly in the northeast of this country. If it goes down to freezing for a week, which they're saying, I mean, granted it's a week away, they don't know what the hell's going to happen tomorrow, it's a couple weeks away, then that is going to cost a pretty penny. What does that mean? That means I suspect the cost of firewood is probably going to go up a little bit too, or at least the... uh, the ability to find firewood in any kind of quantity is going to dissipate. You go to the grocery store, there's piles of it outside. But people see this weather coming, they're going to go, you know what, I'm going to pick up a couple of bundles of firewood. Never lasts very long, a couple of bundles, but they'll have to do something. Those pellets for the wood stoves, those will start to be harder to find. We actually have one of those little pellet stoves. I don't know how to use it. I I I've watched a couple of videos online about how to use the pellet stove, and I I feel like I know less than uh, it. They're not dumb enough for me. They need to be dumbed down. I don't have a lot of faith. Plus, I want to like sitting there going, well, I need to keep the cats away from. Them. I think they'd have the sense to go. That's really really hot. I'm going to stay away from it. But they'll lay around it, and then the the kids with all their toys and the they're picking up on th- one of them in particular is picking up on throwing things. I'm just not sure I want to try this pellet stove, but if it gets cold enough, I might. But it is going to cost a lot of money to heat your home this winter. Even if inflation goes away, 65.7% increase year over year in fuel oil will not go away in the course of one month without there being some massive change. And so, I mean, that would be a huge collapse if something collapsed 65% in price in the course of a month, especially at a time when it is in most demand. Don't count on it. 
Other people use electricity to heat their homes. We're one of those people. Electricity is up 13.7%. Again, more than the 17.1%. In fact, or the 7.1%. In fact, most of these numbers, all of these numbers, as a matter of fact, are up higher than the 7.1%. You say, how the hell can all of these things be up way more than 7.1%, but inflation is only up 7.1%. It's the, the sum cannot be smaller than the parts. It just can't be. That's because how the government calculates inflation. They're not stupid. They don't want to be held accountable, either party, for inflation. They both try to hold each other accountable for it. But ultimately, they've set up a system that calculates it wrong, so it hides the true nature of inflation. So your groceries are up 12% year over year. These are all government statistics from the inflation report. (laughs) 12% over last year. Chicken, 12% up. Milk, 14.7% up. Eggs, 49.1% up. I was at Walmart yesterday. I couldn't believe how much the eggs were. I mean, it was a big box of eggs, but it was the end cap display in their little fridge section. It was like 17 bucks for a huge box of eggs. I don't know. I mean, you got to pretty much operate a restaurant or a truck stop in order to go through that many eggs, but it was surprisingly a large amount of money for a bunch of eggs. The cost of eggs at Costco for the 36 egg thing that probably doubled over the course of the last year. Bread's up 15.7%, potatoes 16.2%, baby food, if you can find it, up 10.9%, airline fares up 36%. So remember all of these internal documents. Inflation might be moving in the right direction just barely, but I highly doubt that 0.2% overall matters to you very much when the rest of the numbers internally, even if they're down month over month, are still up that much year over year unless you got a massive raise last year, which is probably unlikely because economically we could see what was coming. This. It's a mess. But the left is beside itself with excitement. So congratulations to them. The way the Washington Post framed this is pretty damn amazing. You see the links to which these leftists will go to polish the turd that is the Biden economy. Prices cooled again in November, giving some relief to households and businesses being squeezed by high inflation and the Federal Reserve's ongoing fight to slow the economy. Data released Tuesday morning by the Bureau of Labor Statistics show that prices rose 7.1% November compared to last year, the smallest year-over-year increase since last December. Who was president last December? I forget. Prices also climbed 0.1% over October. So that means month over month, they're up 0.1%. So if you're supposed to get excited over the the number 7.1% beating the expectation of 7.3% in, the, in our favor, the 0.1% in the other direction should really be hammering us in the head, right? You'd think, not, not to make a Paul Pelosi joke. But that's just kind of glossed over because why? Because you're dealing with Democrats, protecting Democrats. They circle the wagons. They do everything they can to reanimate Joe Biden at every turn. I'm almost embarrassed for them. If I didn't hold them in such contempt, I would be. But I do. That's the cross I must bear is I hold them in such complete contempt. All right. You, you watch all of these stories 
And I guarantee you by the end of the week, the media narrative will be inflation is under control. That's it. Just in time for Christmas. Go out there, dig yourself a deeper hole in credit card debt because Joe Biden has successfully tackled inflation. Oh, all right. All right. That's good. Anyway, there is other news. I'm sure there'll be a lot more developments on this one as we we go. But there is other news. President Fauci, this is the longest going away ever. Just go away already. He's still making the rounds. He's got a piece in the Washington or no, in the New York Times about how Oh, please, uh, science, Calgon, take me away. Oh, everybody adhered to the science, and I was just a slave to the science and all this garbage. I will spare you the details on that. But I do want to play for you a couple of clips from him from Morning Joe. I mean, Mike, if you thought that the uh, interviews that he has gone through so far have been suck-up interviews... You ain't seen nothing yet. Morning Joe is second to none when it comes to sucking up to government bureaucrats, especially with really awful, horrible, terrible records. What I found funny, and there's a lot I found funny in this, but I got three clips I want to play you. I found funny in this first one is there are going to be congressional investigations. Democrats did all they could to block any investigation into Fauci, into the origins of COVID. It's amazing to me. Look, if you want to protect Fauci, okay. But it's isn't it surprising to anybody that Democrats are sitting there going, we don't want to know the origins of COVID. What difference, I guess that's all the Hillary Clinton attitude, what difference at this point does it make? Well, it can make a big-ass difference going forward. Make a huge difference. A very important difference. Maybe we need to consider punishing China in one way or another in the hopes of, uh, at a minimum, preventing them from ever doing this again. But if there's no consequences, for and you think China cares about killing people, you ain't been paying attention. They don't care about killing their own people. So if there's no disincentive, and the only disincentive that China ever really cares about is economic, then why wouldn't they just keep doing it again? We still don't know whether or not this was a a gain of function to see if we could maybe uh, defeat this virus should it somehow naturally. That's that's how it's always been portrayed to us, by the way. Gain of function is when they uh, see if they can m mutate a virus so it impacts humans because it might one day mutate to impact humans. And then if we can do that in a lab, we can then create treatments ahead of time should uh, for when it should ever do that now you could be looking at millions of years before a virus evolves and it could never evolve it most likely will never evolve in the way that scientists manipulate it in a lab so we have to sort of take these so-called scientists these frankenstein weirdos in the lab messing around with viruses, we have to take their word for it. We're only doing this because we want to know that one day we'll be able to defeat it should it end up in human beings. Well, I don't give... I, there are some people, not very many, but some people I might consider giving that benefit of the doubt to. 
right? You know, oh, all right, well, we're just doing it for the good reasons. But I wouldn't even, honestly, no, there isn't anybody I would really trust 100%. But Chinese communists are not one of them. Even if there were a list of people, the Chinese communist government, the Chinese communists are not on that list. They are not amongst the people where I go, well, I've, who am I to question their intentions? They seem to be as pure as the wind-driven snow. And who am I to judge? No. Who am I to judge? I'm the person who judges. All right? And you should be the person who judges too. So it's much more likely that gain-of-function was being done in conjunction with, under the supervision of, with the blessing from whatever the case may be, the Chinese military. Oh, I know. They don't want that to be known because there's a worldwide ban on biological and chemical weapons. You know, you're not allowed to use them. You're not allowed to develop them. Only countries that already had them are allowed to hold them. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're supposed to all be destroyed except for very small amounts, blah, blah, blah. And you sit there and you go, what? well, then... Why? What are you talking about? What is it? Now, if the Chinese government were encouraging gain of function, just maybe, just maybe not to release it. It probably was a lab leak, but just as important as whether or not it came from a bowl of bat soup or a lab leak is the idea that we could be looking at a lab leak as a result of military experiments or ultimately maybe i mean they're not a military facility but in china the government has its tentacles in everything in everything so it's a mess it's a disaster it's horror so you can't really separate out there one or the other you can't say well it was just a, a an innocuous lab leak we really have to ask the question beyond that was it a lab leak? Was it uh, the lab work being done at the behest of the military or with the blessing of the military? I guarantee you it was with the knowledge of the military. I guarantee you it was with the knowledge of the military. The military would not be unaware of this kind of experimentation. Fauci doesn't want to ask those questions. He doesn't want to have to answer those questions because... Ultimately, if you follow the money backwards, you see that at least some of it came through Fauci's office with his blessing. He signed off on it, on these grants. Our money went to it. That's his legacy that he is trying to prevent people from confirming, even though it's really been confirmed through other sources. But he doesn't want to have to be answering these questions under oath. That's why he gets so angry and upset every time Rand Paul asks him questions. But in those circumstances, he's had Democrats running blocker for him. He's had it's Rand Paul, the rest of the Republicans on the committee. Some of them ask semi-interesting questions, but they certainly don't pursue with vigor the same line of questioning. And immediately afterwards, Democrats come in because uh, it goes Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. Democrats come in and, and say, well, Mr. Fauci, let's talk about that. And then they ask them softball questions to South Pedal, what he just went through, what he just said. And Rand Paul's questioning is diluted down and undercut by Democrats who aren't interested in the truth. Well, if Fauci testifies or when Fauci testifies before the House next year, 
Democrats will still run blocker for them, but it's different. It'll be different. The majority runs everything in the House. They control. So Democrats can ask their stupid questions, but Republicans will get to uh, control the clock. Republicans will get to control whether or not Fauci has to answer one last question. They always say, could you get an answer from that last question? If it's a Democrat, they always say, uh, go ahead, Mr. Fauci. And if it's a Republican, they say he's already answered it. And they let him off the hook. That's going to change. You could also have some uniformity if Republicans are smart, which granted is a big if. But if Republicans are smart, you could have uniformity of questions. One going to another. Or they have done it before where members cede their time to one member to continue a particular line of questioning. Fauci could be in for a lot of discomfort. And what's funny is on Morning Joe this morning, Fauci said, oh, he'd be happy to testify. He's more than happy to testify because he doesn't have a choice. See, Democrats have just criminalized with jail time behind it the refusal or even fighting a congressional subpoena. They did that with Steve Bannon. So Fauci doesn't have much of a choice because Democrats were so hell-bent on getting a scalp and screwing over and attacking Donald Trump. That's all well and good. You always find people destroying themselves when they're trying to destroy somebody else. Maybe they get to somebody else. Maybe they don't, but they usually do end up destroying themselves. In this case, they hurt their Saint Fauci. But listen to Fauci this morning on Morning Joe. He's more than happy to comply with a subpoena that he has no choice but to comply with when it comes. Well, first first of all, I, I I have always, throughout the many years, now over 40 years that I've been, uh, almost 40 years that I've been director of the Institute, I've testified before Congress literally hundreds of times, and I respect the concept of oversight. So I'm perfectly willing to testify before Congress about any issue that they want to look into. But, uh, you know, it, to me, it's come on. I have nothing to hide. I've done everything that I believe should have been done in the arena of public health and science. And I'd be more than happy to explain that publicly before a congressional committee. I'd be more than I like. I like the concept of oversight. It doesn't matter what you think of it, Tony. It's coming for you. There is going to be oversight. There is going to, you don't, I'm happy to do, you don't have a choice, dude. Unless you flee the country, you don't have a choice. And it's not going to be like that previous oversight. It's going to be a lot like Rand Paul for hours and hours and hours. It's really going to cut into his ability to write his book, his memoirs, if you will, that I'm sure I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he's going to get 10 million bucks for his book. 10 million bucks for his book. And this is a guy who saw his net worth go up was it four or five million during the pandemic net worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 13 million dollars he's going to get almost all he might even go you know what double my net worth for the book when you get a bidding war going and it's based on sycophancy rather than reality or potential book sales the sky's the limit the sky is the limit but I got to tell you, I am so sick of hearing from this guy. I hope Republicans call him. I hope they call him quickly so we can get him off the damn stage. Honest to God, are you not sick of Fauci? 
Are you not sick of the sycophants around Fauci? In a minute, I'm going to play you. <sighs> Mika. God, she's the dumbest. She's just so dumb. She's so dumb. They are completely unaware. They are such slaves to the left-wing narrative that they say things that are completely asinine, say things that are beyond the pale stupid, that a normal human being, somebody with a room temperature IQ, forget about a high one, would never in a million years think to say, and they go, oh, well, how many, when should I get, how often should I get boosted? And when should I get my, my fifth booster shot after having had COVID? Mm-hmm. What? Wait a second, what? Yeah, you'll, you'll hear that coming up. Start connecting those dots. Start square in that circle. How soon after having COVID should I get my next booster shot? Uh, never, because clearly it didn't work. None of the other boosters worked, right? Didn't it, Wouldn't that be the conclusion a normal human being would draw? But then you're dealing with Mika. Mika. By the way, before we get to this Mika stuff with President Fauci, Wall Street Journal, federal deficit widened to a record $249 billion last month. Spending rose in November from a year earlier as tax receipts dropped. Remember Joe Biden runs around, we've dropped the deficit so much, the deficit's almost uh, Yeah, you, you spent more than anybody ever. You come in, you drop a $1.9 trillion spending bill in your first year, and then you say, well, the second year... We spent significantly less, so our deficit is down. De- yeah, because you didn't drop another $1.9 billion do- trillion. You need to drop the $1.9 trillion, and that you know, caused a huge chunk of the inflation, but congratulations. You want to sit there and pat yourself on the back over this. We've made things uh, worse, but uh, they're getting better compared to the peak of our worse, sort of. All right. If that's what you want to say. But now it's number $249 billion last month. The national debt surpassed, wait for it, $31 trillion. $31 trillion. Congratulations, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. We are reminded constantly how they're historic. So very, very historic for so many reasons, not the least of which, in fact, the most of which is just how historically awful they have been for everybody. But really, I mean, not Democrat donors, but normal Americans. So congratulations. You guys really are historic. Okay, so I want to get to this uh, because Mika. Mika can't help herself. She gets flustered. You know, she was going to have another affair it would probably be with not that she'd had an affair on joe just that the rumor was that they were having an affair with each other while they were married to other her to her first husband and him to his second wife Uh, his first marriage ended because he allegedly had an affair but that's multiple affairs these are just rumors i don't i'm not i don't know them to be true i'm just telling you what the rumor mill was They've always denied that they ever got together before they got divorced. Although I saw them at the uh, the 2012 convention. It's 2012 or 2008, one of the two. Saw them at both, but one of them, they were super, super friendly. Super, you know, like work colleagues are. Work colleagues. I always hang out with my work colleagues and hang on my work colleagues. Don't you? 
barely prop yourself up by hanging on somebody sitting sitting in an empty stadium during the uh, sort of dress rehearsal time for the convention and you know the whole section of seats to yourself and you two just sit next to each other and uh, like a couple of schoolgirls giggling and laughing and ugh. yeah no that's perfectly normal perfectly normal there's no reason to believe they lied anyway Mika loves herself some President Fauci and I want you to listen to this. I cut this in two pieces, the question and the answer. The question is amazingly unaware, a complete lack of self-awareness. I don't know how you could be less aware unless you're complaining about the smell in a room whilst literally soiling yourself. Like that would be the only way to be less self-aware. Oh, it just... It smells like mildew in here. Like, eh, I can think of a way that it smells a little bit worse. So she wants to know about boosters and boosters and boosters and how many boosters and how many boosters and when should you get boosters and when should you get boosted after having had COVID, which, you know, should lead a normal human being with an IQ slightly above room temperature to go, wait a second, uh, when should I get my fifth booster shot after having had COVID might, I don't know, cause somebody to say, hey, wait a second, then maybe the six shots I'd had before then weren't super effective, the two shots initially, and then if you're waiting on your fifth booster, your four previous shots, or however many it is. You know, it would occur to a normal human being Mika is so starstruck and generally um, not super bright. It doesn't occur to her, but it will occur to you as you listen to it. Specifics of the timing of getting a booster. So for some people, it's a third booster. For me, it would be a fourth booster. Um, how long after having COVID? Or, for example, I got a text saying that you shouldn't get uh, a mammogram soon after. You have to space that out. What are the things we need to know about getting that booster? And should everybody get boosted? <laughs> How long after you had COVID should you get, in my case, the fourth booster? Uh, yeah, because why? Because the, the other five shots you've received have done such a bang-up job? Have done such a bang-up job? Is that what you're doing? Now, what's messed up is the government has all this data. The government has all this data. The vast majority of people who are dying are people over 65 with pre-existing conditions, lots of other health problems. Obesity isn't, it's still a factor, but it's not the deciding factor, it seems, because it's people with respiratory issues to begin with. In young people, it's the same thing. There aren't very many, and hopefully none, and no more going forward. Young people who are healthy are just struck down. But quite frankly, it really all depends on your DNA, your individual DNA. We're all, now, I always say nobody's unique in a planet of 8 billion people. Well, from a DNA perspective, we are. And that's it. And how your DNA reacts to any virus, any infection, any anything, is different than how somebody else does mildly so much so that you'd barely notice the difference and you really probably couldn't find it medically but on a really microscopic level it is different some people 
take uh, penicillin and get better. Some people take penicillin and drop dead because of the penicillin. Every individual is different and their body reacts differently. Even the people who die from taking penicillin do so to varying degrees for different reasons. So to sit there and go, well, when am I going to get my fourth booster shot after having had COVID? Which is it? Maybe you should be wondering whether or not you should get another booster whatsoever. Now you're asking Fauci, who seems to be, if I had to guess, if I were just an observer, I'd say he's the biggest shareholder in Pfizer, period, because of the way he pimps these things. But who, I don't think that's technically true. But of course he's going to say, get the shot, always get the shot, always get the shot, always get the shot. A rational human being might ask Fauci another question. Hey, I've had two, I've had the double whammy to begin with and three boosters since then. And I've had COVID recently. How did I get COVID if I've had this many injections of something you're calling a vaccine. Aren't vaccines supposed to prevent people from getting sick in the first place? And whatever happened to the promise of you won't get sick, you won't get COVID, you won't spread COVID. A year and a half ago, it was all get this shot, you won't get sick. You won't. The government knew that was false. But that was it. You can go see grandma and grandpa again because you're not going to be able to spread COVID. You might want to ask him a little bit about that, but instead... Mika's just like, oh, fanning herself. I'm a little bit aroused. Joe isn't in town today. He took the intern to uh, a motel or for whatever reason. I'm sure it was innocuous. And I just look at you, President Fauci, and I think, my God, I can't even formulate a coherent sentence. You're so attractive. And I sit there and you think, well, you can't formulate a coherent sentence because you're dumb, Mika. You're dumb. That these things don't occur to anybody. What's amazing is there's like a six-person panel I can't say interrogating, but questioning Fauci. Nobody thought, hey, wait a second. Isn't there a little bit of a dip in the return on investment? Going to have to get a shot. Well, you might have to get a booster every year or two. Now you got to get a booster every two months. Maybe every month. Maybe you should be getting walking around with a booster drip. Everybody can carry around an IV drip of booster, and then we'll be uh, safer from COVID. Although... People will still die from it. Maybe ask questions about that, but that ain't the way it works. And of course, President Fauci himself never disappoints. Never disappoints. He he he, he sticks to his talking points. Well, certainly the, the, the answer to your last question, Mika, is yes, everyone should. And the timing is as follows. If you have been infected with COVID, you wait three months minimum to get a booster. If you have had a booster in the past, but not the updated one, the bivalent BA45, you wait at least two months before you get the next shot. So that's the timing. That's easy. Things like avoiding a mammogram soon after you get uh, a boost that's really related to if you get a shot in the arm, you could have maybe an inflammation of the lymph nodes in the axilla there. And that's something you don't want to complicate the interpretation of a mammogram, but that's the only reason for that. Oh, it just messes with your lymph nodes for a little while. Don't sweat that. What's the big deal? It's just your lymph nodes. 
What are you going to do with lymph nodes? You just waste them anyway, right? Just inflame them a little bit. But no, if you had COVID, you should wait a minimum of three months. Well, that's not really answering the question, Tony. That's really not, right? Is it? Of three months to what? To six months? To a year? To what? You don't know. Why can't you just say we don't know? Or you don't care. One of the two. Why can't you just say, I don't really give a damn. Just go get the shot. If you can get the right one and you're going to get the latest booster, if it's a booster, why is it different? All right? It's not a booster. A booster is you've had this shot and you're going to get another one of the same shot. You know, you get a new. This is you've had a shot. This is a completely different shot. This is a completely different shot that quote unquote protects you against a completely different virus. Well, well, they don't say it's completely different. It's a variant. It's a variant. I keep on hearing these commercials when I'm driving around. Going, oh, this one will protect you not only against uh, the original one, but it'll also protect you against Omicron. Oh, you mean it'll protect me against the variant that was most prevalent like a year ago? The one we've moved on from? We moved on, keep moving on from these variants. And they go, well, but this one will protect you about the one from like two variants ago. Oh, that's great. That's great. Why don't we uh, get inoculated against other things that have gone the way of the dodo that aren't factors? You know, we get uh, inoculated against the bubonic plague right now. Why don't we do that? It's not out there, except in parts of the third world where we're wildly accepting immigrants from illegally crossing. So maybe we should actually be inoculated against the, against the bubonic plague. What the hell do I know? But you get the idea. He's making it up as he goes along, which would be fine if he admitted he was making it up as he goes along. And if he predicated all of these things on, this is my best guess. This is where we are. As far as I can tell, blah, blah, blah. That would be one thing. And if he also coupled it with a, so I recommend, but you don't have to sort of thing. That's not what he's doing. He's using the authority he has still and the credibility he has remaining with really dumb people to say, this is what you got to do. This is the only way to do it. It's wildly insane that he still has credibility with anybody, and seemingly most of them all watch Morning Joe. But who is going to take this guy seriously when the questioner is like, after you had COVID, how soon after should I get a shot to protect me from COVID? Another shot to protect me from COVID. Because Mika, you know, when there is a decree from the CDC and it says you take it every uh, four months, Mika puts that on her calendar. Immediately. You know she does. And you know she doesn't miss an appointment. You know she's not going, oh, I, damn it, I'm like a month behind on getting my shot. She's not. She's up to date. So that she gets COVID might be an indication that maybe the shots aren't super effective. Now, it wasn't that she just got COVID. It's that she got sick from COVID. Now, not seriously sick. Good. Good for her. Good for anybody who gets it and isn't seriously sick. But That's not what we were promised. They keep moving the goalposts. And as Fauci makes his way out of power, he's taking the goalposts with him. 
He's marching it down there. Now, it's really bizarre that there's really sort of a lack of curiosity, like, well, the mRNA on the, the, the mammogram front. You'd think Mika, who makes half of her money selling books to women about how she cares so deeply about women and she's a champion for women and everything, you'd think she might go, you know, it's kind of weird. Is this true that you're not supposed to have a mammogram soon after getting the booster? Uh, yeah, because it could inflame your lymph nodes. Well, why does it inflame your lymph nodes? Wouldn't that be something worth exploring? Why does it, even temporarily, why does it inflame your lymph nodes? Your lymph nodes being inflamed are an indication that you have some kind of uh, infection or whatever. Is that permanent? Is it temporary? Is it damaging long term? What is it? What are the impacts? You just start going down that rabbit hole, and suddenly you start asking a whole bunch of questions that President Fauci, I can't say he can't answer. It's that he won't answer, that he doesn't want to answer. You start asking questions about the mRNA vaccine and the long-term impacts of a society that continually gets new boosters, new shots, new this, new that, new the other thing, and here's another variant. And you introduce boosters that are for a completely different strain of the virus without doing any clinical trials on human beings, only having tested them in rats. And you go, well, that's good enough. It's good enough for government work. Let's do it. You might start asking yourself and uh, President Fauci there on national television some uncomfortable questions. And he doesn't want that. But more than that, Nobody on that set at Morning Joe, none of these so-called journalists at Morning Joe, at NBC News and MSNBC, none of them want that either. Think about this. First of all, it would go against, it would violate Comcast's corporate policy of bowing to anything that a liberal Democrat says. But think about this. Fauci has given more interviews in the past week than quite possibly anybody not currently competing for the World Cup. Have you heard any difficult questions for him? Have you seen any clips where somebody really presses Fauci, not in a way to be a complete jerk or starts badgering him or whatever, think what you will of his uh, cross-examinations from Rand Paul. People didn't get that attitude. Have you seen any serious, legitimate questions of Fauci in his farewell tour. You have not. I bet you you have seen a whole bunch of questions about him being asked, when you're dealing with President Trump, how difficult was it to sit there and listen to him lie and you know the truth? Because you are, of course, the arbiter. You heard a lot of questions like that. You heard a lot of questions of, what is it different now that Joe Biden is in charge? It's like the adults are coming back and control is it not those questions they got what is the long-term impact on human beings in taking an experimental vaccine quote-unquote indefinitely is not a question that he's getting uh, getting how is it that you can recommend that children particularly young boys get a not only the shots to begin with but a continual series of vaccinations when by every unit of measure that we have, and the government has been keeping their data hidden, but we have enough in the public sector that shows that those young boys have significantly higher risk of dying from myocarditis than they ever did 
from COVID. Now, we know COVID doesn't, the shots don't stop people from getting COVID and they don't stop people from spreading COVID. How do you live with yourself telling people to get their kids the shot when the heart damage to young boys is greater than the threat of COVID? And the shot does absolutely nothing. Has Fauci been asked that question? No, Fauci has not been asked that question. He's been asked about mammograms and for his phone number by Mika instead. Journalism isn't just dead. It committed suicide by autoerotic asphyxiation. All right, I want to shift gears away from uh, President Fauci. God knows he'll be back on TV by the end of it. Whether or not he faces any serious questions remains to be seen, but the smart money would be on no. But there is a lot of polling going around. A lot of polling. Why are we polling? We just had an election. And as a matter of fact, we just had an election that illustrated just how horrible polling is. Was that not the big takeaway from the last election, from the midterms? Hey, you know what? Polling is not so great. Polling is not super accurate. Polling isn't anywhere close to being great or accurate, as a matter of fact. Shouldn't that be the... But no, media is shameless. Media is shameless. Polling companies are shameless. They simply don't care. They're out to make money. You can't blame them for that, but you should blame the people who pay them and the people that report what they come up with. Those people you can blame, and those people you should. But the reason they're doing it is to make news, not report news. There's very little polling that actually is newsworthy. It Maybe you could make a case that on issues, if there are certain issues that uh, people care about and you find, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this was such a big issue with so many people, then I suppose you could say this is newsworthy. But in general, polls aren't newsworthy. They're about what people plan to do at some point in the future on a particular issue about a person long before now the person will ever actually do those things. So the odds of the uh, answer conforming with reality 14 months from now, who you're going to vote for in a Republican primary is uh, zero to, to none. Somewhere in there, when you say that, yet it doesn't stop these people from reporting things. And it doesn't stop, like there's polling today about, oh my goodness, Donald Trump would lose to Ron DeSantis in a primary. And Donald Trump would lose to Joe Biden in an election in 2024. But Ron DeSantis would beat him and blah, 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 blah. And like, okay, that's all well. If you're looking to start a conversation at dinner, if you're looking to start a conversation uh, with some random strangers, then maybe, just maybe this would be that conversation starter. But in general, it's irrelevant about what's going to happen years from now. Just as it's irrelevant of what's going to happen years ago or what would have happened years ago had new information come to light. If the American public knew what was going on in 1960 and knew what Democrats had done in Chicago would support or JFK, have been less. Oh, yes, well, the data shows, yes, it would have been. Well, depends on when you ask. 
Depends on what is known. Depends on how many people care. If people were happy with JFK, the person who was happy with JFK were asked, then what happened? They would go, no, I don't care. Wouldn't have changed my vote. People who maybe voted for JFK who didn't like voting for JFK, then they might go, yeah, you know what? I would have voted differently from him from then. It's all about how you ask, what you ask, and what it means. This is from the uh, USA Today, the nation's hotel doormat. Trump in trouble. Republican support for his 2024 bid falls amid political legal setbacks. Republican support for Donald Trump's presidential bid in 2024 has cratered. An exclusive USA Today Suffolk University poll finds the former president is beleaguered by midterm losses and courtroom setbacks. See? Yes, the midterms have upset a lot of Republican voters. There is many uh, people to blame for that. The candidates themselves, first and foremost. But President Trump did bring a lot of these people across the finish line in the primary process. That didn't do a whole hell of a lot to get them across the finish line in the general election, which is problematic. You can convince Herschel Walker to run, but maybe you should have opened your $100 million war chest to help Herschel Walker win. Dr. Oz, same thing. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't spend the money. You can complain. People can I know this is wildly unpopular. Makes some people mad. It's just the truth. The truth has a way of doing that. You can complain about Mitch McConnell all you want, but in a lot of those races, Mitch McConnell spent a ton of money. He should have spent it over here. Okay, probably, maybe, whatever. You can argue that, but you can't say he sat on $100 million and said to hell with it. I'm going to raise money off of this, but not spend money to help this. Somebody else did. Story continues. By a two-to-one uh, margin, GOP and GOP-leaning voters now say they want Trump's policies, but a different standard bearer to carry them. While 31% want the former president to run, 61% prefer some other Republican nominee who would continue the policies Trump has pursued. They have a name in mind. Two-thirds of Republicans and those inclined to vote Republican want Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president. By double digits, 56% to 33%, they prefer DeSantis over Trump. Now, this is all well and good and to be expected. DeSantis just won. He not only won, he won by a lot. I'm going to play the middle here. I'm going to play the squishy middle. He won by a lot. So you get all this glowing press, and he has racked up a lot of victories in Florida. He carried, you know, Republicans won statewide everywhere in Florida. Republicans now dominate Florida. Florida is not a purple state anymore, thanks to Ron DeSantis. It is a red state. Marco Rubio helped, but Marco Rubio was also helped by... Ron DeSantis's popularity and what he's done in response to the hurricanes down there, what he's done in response to Disney, what he's done in response to the left-wing lunacy when it comes to sexualizing children and indoctrinating and grooming children has all been amazing and wildly popular. That doesn't mean he's going to make a good candidate for president. We don't know. We don't know, A, if he really wants to be president, although probably, if we're just being honest. But you have to understand that wanting to be president and being a good candidate for president are two different things. 
And I go back to the Scott Walker thing. Scott Walker at this point in 2014 going in, or 20, yeah, 2014 going into 2015 when there, all this talk about Scott Walker. Scott Walker had won election in Wisconsin, survived a recall, and then won re-election in Wisconsin. Blue state, he'd done this. And he'd done so by being a conservative. He wasn't, you know, some sort of squishy middle Republican. All the buzz was about Scott Walker. All the buzz. It's dangerous being the first one in the first one to announce rarely wins, which is why I thought it was a mistake for Donald Trump to announce so early on. And being the early front runner where all the buzz is about, that's kind of a tough situation too, just when speaking when it comes to party nominations. Because all the uh, targets are put on your back. Whether you're running or not, the targets are put on your back. Scott Walker at this point was flirting with running a hell of a lot more than Ron DeSantis was. I think DeSantis is playing it really well at this moment, but he still has a lot of targets on his back. Nobody's taken any shots except for Trump because Trump is trying to prevent him from even considering it. And it it actually, DeSantis going about his business, I think is the best strategy right now. People are sitting there going, I want a fighter. Why won't Ron DeSantis respond? Donald Trump sounds concerned sounds worried comes off as a little bit panicked by attacking a guy who isn't responding by continually attacking i think trump has sort of dialed back the uh the criticisms of desantis of late because he's got other things to worry about legal issues but he's also recognizing that if desantis doesn't engage desantis looks better DeSantis looks the person just walking down the street versus the person who sucker punches the person just walking down the street from behind. Which one comes off looking better? You go, wow, that guy can throw a right hook. Okay, yeah, but he throws it to the back of the ear of the person walking away. He doesn't see it coming. It's really easy to see, except Trump hasn't landed a, a knockout blow. He's just kind of swinging at him. So I think that stopping doing that, at least for a while and less than until DeSantis engages, is a smart move. Plus, I think Republican voters will appreciate if you level all your criticism toward Democrats, you know, to quote philosopher Sinead O'Connor, fight the real enemy. <laughs> but it uh, in the general, in a head to head. Now, again, this doesn't matter because the Scott Walker model. Scott Walker was the nominee for the Republican Party in 2014. It just didn't work out. He didn't even make it. He pulled a Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris dropped out before the first primary. Scott Walker dropped out before the first primary. Ran out of money. Blew through it all. Thought it was going to be forever. That's the thing about politics. It's very rarely forever. Biden, according to this poll from USA Today, now leads Trump in a head-to-head matchup, 47% to 40%. And you can sit there, you can look at this two ways. Go, oh my God. That's a huge blow. Or you should look at it the way you should. It doesn't matter. You can get great odds on betting about whatever team you want that you think is going to win the World Series right now. You could get great odds on them, especially for the 2024 season. If you just bypass 2023, you can find some way to make book on that. You could do that. But you'd be insane to do that because you don't have any idea what's going on. What's and right now, DeSantis leads Biden forty-seven to forty-three. A lot of that could be chalked up to again the recent good news for Ron DeSantis. 
You get good coverage, favorable coverage, even if it's not really all that favorable. Imagine if Ron DeSantis had gotten fair coverage relative to what he's done. Honest coverage relative to what he's done. His numbers would be through the roof. Joe Biden's would be through the toilet. But you've got the media propping up one and trying to destroy the other. And even with the media trying to destroy Ron DeSantis and prop up Joe Biden, he's still got a four-point lead over him. Granted, it's an an irrelevant poll, but it's still there. So don't get too excited. Don't get too upset. Don't look at this. I will point out, however, that when you look at Donald Trump, you have to understand that his popularity has always been very, very, very deep with a small percentage of the population of the of the Republican Party. And I know, go ahead, send me your hate mail. I don't care. It's the reality. And I'm here to tell you the truth. The reality is he has been you know, liked by a lot of people, loved by very few. And the reason he won the Republican nomination in 2016 was not just the the campaign he ran was energetic and different. If you look at the results of the primaries in the early states before the field really started to winnow, started to fade, started to narrow, he was winning with 20%, 25%. He was not winning with 51%. He was not winning. He benefited from there being 16 different people in the primary. You can win with 20%. You can win with 25%. In the early states, the objective is less to win. Less to, Because if you win Iowa, winning in Iowa means almost nothing as far as winning the Republican nomination. But you win in Iowa you usually lose the nomination. More often than not, you lose the nomination than win it. But if you finish in the top three in Iowa, you then carry that into New Hampshire where it matters only slightly more. But the field drops. A whole bunch of people drop out after Iowa. All the people who get 1% and 2% and 5%, they realize that they're not anywhere close to anything and their fundraising dries up. Nobody's giving them money because they're so terrible. They did so terribly in Iowa. That's it. All you've got to do in the first two primaries is survive them. Then it becomes more of a horse race. Then you look at the results, and Donald Trump didn't start winning a majority of Republican votes until there were three people left in the race. Then he started getting over 50%. Once he had that momentum and that sense of inevitability. So... Polls right now mean nothing. The polls Trump versus DeSantis mean nothing. What really matters is who else or who gets in. Will Donald Trump's existence is what he, the reason he got in so early is he was hoping to fend off anybody from getting there. He didn't want to have to spend any money in the primaries. He didn't want to be challenged. He wanted to be anointed. He wanted to run as an incumbent president. That's not the way our politics works, nor is it how our government should work. Our country should work. You want to run, run. Just be prepared to fight. But if Donald Trump manages to keep everybody out, of course, he'll be the nominee. If Donald Trump manages to keep, or well, if everybody stays out because they don't want to split the field, like what happened in 2016, and DeSantis gets in, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a fight. 
Because like I said, there's about 25, 30% maybe of the Republican primary voters who will do anything for Donald Trump. They might not even vote for anybody else at all in the general election, which would be a shame. And Donald Trump could either facilitate that or stop that. But there's the rest of the field, the rest of the primary voters, particularly in later states, who are going to judge a candidate by what that candidate is bringing to the table, what that candidate wants to do. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Elections are about what you're going to do, not rewards for what you have done. They should never be rewards for what you have done. You work for us. You're trying to work for us. You want us to hire you again. You got to tell us what you're going to do. And we got to believe it. And any other candidates got to make the same pitch. You don't get credit. You get maybe a little bit of believability because of what you've done before. But you also carry all the baggage of what you've done before, too. It's about what you're going to do, not what you've done. So this will be interesting to see. But it's not the only polling data out there. All right, I want to shift gears away from uh, President Fauci. God knows he'll be back on TV by the end of it. Whether or not he faces any serious questions remains to be seen, but the smart money would be on no. But there is a lot of polling going around, a lot of polling. Why are we polling? We just had an election. And as a matter of fact, we just had an election that illustrated just how horrible polling is. Was that not the big takeaway from the last election, from the midterms? Hey, you know what? Polling is not so great. Polling is not super accurate. Polling isn't anywhere close to being great or accurate, as a matter of fact. Shouldn't that be the... But no, media is shameless. Media is shameless. Polling companies are shameless. They simply don't care. They're out to make money. You can't blame them for that. But you should blame the people who pay them and the people that report what they come up with. Those people you can blame. And those people you should. But the reason they're doing it is to make news, not report news. There's very little polling that actually is newsworthy. It, maybe you could make a case that on issues, if there are certain issues that uh, people care about and you find, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this was such a big issue with so many people, then I suppose you could say this is newsworthy. But in general, polls aren't newsworthy. They're about what people plan to do at some point in the future on a particular issue about a person long before now. The person will ever actually do those things. So the odds of the uh, answer conforming with reality 14 months from now, who you're going to vote for in a Republican primary is uh, zero to, to none. Somewhere in there, when you say that, yet it doesn't stop these people from reporting things. And it doesn't stop, like there's polling today about, oh my goodness, Donald Trump would lose to Ron DeSantis in a primary. And Donald Trump would lose to Joe Biden in an election in 2024. But Ron DeSantis would beat him and blah, 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 blah. And like, okay, that's all well. If you're looking to start a conversation at dinner, 
If you're looking to start a conversation uh, with some random strangers, then maybe, just maybe, this would be that conversation starter. But in general, it's irrelevant about what's going to happen years from now. Just as it's irrelevant of what's going to happen years ago, or what would have happened years ago had new information come to light. If the American public knew what was going on in 1960 and knew what Democrats had done in Chicago would support or JFK have been less. Oh, yes, well, the data shows, yes, it would have been. Well, depends on when you ask. Depends on what is known. Depends on how many people care. If people were happy with JFK, the person who was happy with JFK were asked, then what happened? They would go, no, I don't care. Wouldn't have changed my vote. People who maybe voted for JFK who didn't like voting for JFK, then they might go, yeah, you know what? I would have voted differently from him from then. It's all about how you ask, what you ask, and what it means. This is from the uh, USA Today, the nation's hotel doormat. Trump in trouble. Republican support for his 2024 bid falls amid political legal setbacks. Republican support for Donald Trump's presidential bid in 2024 has cratered. An exclusive USA Today Suffolk University poll finds the former president is beleaguered by midterm losses and courtroom setbacks. See? Yes, the midterms have upset a lot of Republican voters. There is many uh, people to blame for that. The candidates themselves, first and foremost. But President Trump did bring a lot of these people across the finish line in the primary process. That didn't do a whole hell of a lot to get them across the finish line in the general election, which is problematic. You can convince Herschel Walker to run, but maybe you should have opened your $100 million war chest to help Herschel Walker win. Dr. Oz, same thing. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't spend the money. You can complain. People can I know this is wildly unpopular. Makes some people mad. It's just the truth. The truth has a way of doing that. You can complain about Mitch McConnell all you want, but in a lot of those races, Mitch McConnell spent a ton of money. He should have spent it over here. Okay, probably, maybe, whatever. You can argue that, but you can't say he sat on $100 million and said to hell with it. I'm going to raise money off of this, but not spend money to help this. Somebody else did. Story continues. By a two-to-one margin, GOP and GOP-leaning voters now say they want Trump's policies, but a different standard bearer to carry them. While 31% want the former president to run, 61% prefer some other Republican nominee who would continue the policies Trump has pursued. They have a name in mind. Two-thirds of Republicans and those inclined to vote Republican want Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president. By double digits, 56% to 33%, they prefer DeSantis over Trump. Now, this is all well and good and to be expected. DeSantis just won. He not only won, he won by a lot. I'm going to play the middle here. I'm going to play the squishy middle. He won by a lot. So you get all this glowing press, and he has racked up a lot of victories in Florida. He carried, you know, Republicans won statewide everywhere in Florida. Republicans now dominate Florida. Florida is not a purple state anymore, thanks to Ron DeSantis. It is a red state. Marco Rubio helped, but Marco Rubio was also helped by 
Ron DeSantis' popularity and what he's done in response to the hurricanes down there, what he's done in response to Disney, what he's done in response to the left-wing lunacy when it comes to sexualizing children and indoctrinating and grooming children has all been amazing and wildly popular. That doesn't mean he's going to make a good candidate for president. We don't know. We don't know, A, if he really wants to be president, although probably, if we're just being honest. But you have to understand that wanting to be president and being a good candidate for president are two different things. And I go back to the Scott Walker thing. Scott Walker at this point in 2014 going in, or 20, yeah, 2014 going into 2015 when there all this talk about Scott Walker. Scott Walker had won election in Wisconsin, survived a recall, and then won re-election in Wisconsin. Blue state. He'd done this. And he'd done so by being a conservative. He wasn't, you know, some sort of squishy middle Republican. All the buzz was about Scott Walker. All the buzz. It's dangerous being the first one in. The first one to announce rarely wins, which is why I thought it was a mistake for Donald Trump to announce so early on. And being the early front runner where all the buzz is about, that's kind of a tough situation too, just when speaking when it comes to party nominations. Because all the uh, targets are put on your back. Whether you're running or not, the targets are put on your back. Scott Walker at this point was flirting with running a hell of a lot more than Ron DeSantis was. I think DeSantis is playing it really well at this moment. But he still has a lot of targets on his back. Nobody's taken any shots except for Trump because Trump is trying to prevent him from even considering it. And it it actually, DeSantis going about his business, I think is the best strategy right now. People are sitting there going, I want a fighter. Why won't Ron DeSantis respond? Donald Trump sounds concerned, sounds worried, comes off as a little bit panicked by attacking a guy who isn't responding, by continually attacking. I think Trump has sort of dialed back the, uh, the criticisms of DeSantis of late because he's got other things to worry about legal issues but he's also recognizing that if DeSantis doesn't engage DeSantis looks better DeSantis looks the person just walking down the street versus the person who sucker punches the person just walking down the street from behind which one comes off looking better you go wow that guy can throw a right hook okay yeah but he throws it to the back of the ear of the person walking away doesn't see it coming it's really easy to see except Trump hasn't landed a a knockout blow. He's just kind of swinging at him. So I think that stopping doing that, at least for a while and less than until DeSantis engages, is a smart move. Plus, I think Republican voters will appreciate if you level all your criticism toward Democrats, you know, to quote philosopher Sinead O'Connor, fight the real enemy. (laughs) But, it uh, in a general in a head to head. Now again, this doesn't matter because the Scott Walker model. Scott Walker was the nominee for the Republican Party in 2014. It just didn't work out. He didn't even make it. He pulled a Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris dropped out before the first primary. Scott Walker dropped out before the first primary. Ran out of money. Blew through it all. Thought it was going to be forever. That's the thing about politics. It's very rarely forever. Biden, according to this poll from USA Today, now leads Trump in a head-to-head matchup, 47% to 40%. And you can sit there, you can look at this two ways, go, oh my God, 
That's a huge blow. Or you should look at it the way you should. It doesn't matter. But you, you can get great odds on betting about whatever team you want that you think is going to win the World Series right now. You can get great odds on them, especially for the 2024 season. If you just bypass 2023, you can find somebody to make book on that. You could do that. But you'd be insane to do that because you don't have any idea what's going on. What's going on. And right now, DeSantis leads Biden 47 to 43. A lot of that could be chalked up to, again, the recent good news for Ron DeSantis. You get good coverage, favorable coverage, even if it's not really all that favorable. Imagine if Ron DeSantis had gotten fair coverage relative to what he's done, honest coverage relative to what he's done. His numbers would be through the roof. Joe Biden's would be through the toilet. But you've got the media propping up one and trying to destroy the other. And even with the media trying to destroy Ron DeSantis and prop up Joe Biden, he's still got a four-point lead over him. Granted, it's an an irrelevant poll, but it's still there. So don't get too excited. Don't get too upset. Don't look at this. I will point out, however, that when you look at Donald Trump, You have to understand that his popularity has always been very, very, very deep with a small percentage of the population of the of the Republican Party. And I know. Go ahead. Send me your hate mail. I don't care. It's the reality. And I'm here to tell you the truth. The reality is he has been, you know, liked by a lot of people, loved by very few. And the reason he won the Republican nomination in 2016 was not just the the campaign he ran was energetic and different. If you look at the results of the primaries in the early states before the field really started to winnow, started to fade, started to narrow, he was winning with 20%, 25%. He was not winning with 51%. He was not winning. He benefited from there being 16 different people in the primary. You can win with 20%. You can win with 25%. In the early states, the objective is less to win. Less Because if you win Iowa, winning in Iowa means almost nothing as far as winning the Republican nomination. But you win in Iowa you usually lose the nomination. More often than not, you lose the nomination than win it. But if you finish in the top three in Iowa, you then carry that into New Hampshire where it matters only slightly more. But the field drops. A whole bunch of people drop out after Iowa. All the people get 1% and 2% and 5%. They realize that they're not anywhere close to anything and their fundraising dries up. Nobody's giving the money because they're so terrible. They did so terribly in Iowa. That's it. All you've got to do in the first two primaries is survive them. Then it becomes more of a horse race. Then you look at the results, and Donald Trump didn't start winning a majority of Republican votes until there were three people left in the race. Then he started getting over 50%. Once he had that momentum and that sense of inevitability. So... Polls right now mean nothing. The polls Trump versus DeSantis mean nothing. What really matters is who else or who gets in. Will Donald Trump's existence 
is what he, the reason he got in so early is he was hoping to fend off anybody from getting there. He didn't want to have to spend any money in the primaries. He didn't want to be challenged. He wanted to be anointed. He wanted to run as an incumbent president. That's not the way our politics works, nor is it how our government should work. Our country should work. You want to run, run. Just be prepared to fight. But if Donald Trump manages to keep everybody out, of course, he'll be the nominee. If Donald Trump manages to keep, or well, if everybody stays out because they don't want to split the field, like what happened in 2016 and DeSantis gets in, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a fight. Because like I said, there's about 25, 30% maybe of the Republican primary voters who will do anything for Donald Trump. They might not even vote for anybody else at all in the general election, which would be a shame. And Donald Trump could either facilitate that or stop that. But there's the rest of the field, the rest of the primary voters, particularly in later states, who are going to judge a candidate by what that candidate is bringing to the table, what that candidate wants to do. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Elections are about what you're going to do, not rewards for what you have done. They should never be rewards for what you have done. You work for us. You're trying to work for us. You want us to hire you again. You got to tell us what you're going to do. And we got to believe it. And any other candidates got to make the same pitch. You don't get credit. You get maybe a little bit of believability because of what you've done before. But you also carry all the baggage of what you've done before, too. It's about what you're going to do, not what you've done. So this will be interesting to see. But it's not the only polling data out there. Now, the polling data, this is from Breitbart. And it's it's good clickbait. Boy, howdy, it's good clickbait. Let me refresh this just to see how many. It has 561 comments, which is a lot, and 434 shares. And considering how social media throttles Breitbart, that's pretty good. Now, what is the story? Poll, 71% say accurate reporting of Hunter's laptop could have altered the 2020 election. Well, that's meaningless. Don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger, but it's meaningless. Could have. Okay. 71% of Americans believe accurate reporting of Hunter Biden's laptop from hell could have altered the 2020 election, presidential election. A TIPP Insights polling revealed Monday. I don't know what the hell TIPP is. Never heard of them. Uh, leading up to election day, many in the established media falsely claimed Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation, blah, blah, blah. This is all rehashed, except for this poll. This poll, 71% think it would have made a difference or could have made a difference. Well, all sorts of things could have made a difference. But why are you polling this? What's the interest in this? You can't prove it. Here's why you can't prove it. If Joe Biden were doing a good job as president, this number would be significantly lower. This is more akin to a temperature taking of Biden's approval rating than anything else. If Joe Biden were wildly popular, his approval rating is still about 44, 45%. It's underwater. I don't know who these people are who think he's doing a good job, but there they are. So you look at that and you start with that baseline and say, oh, all these people could have made a difference. First of all, if you're not actual voters from 2020, it 
doesn't really matter. It is a poll of 1,351 Americans, which is, again, a worthless unit of measure. If you're not... Now, 2020 happened. It's not even you go, well, we have to get likely voters. We don't need likely voters. You can ask people whether or not they voted in 2020. Then, if they didn't, you say, well, you don't count then. That'd be pretty simple. (laughs) It's a worthless poll. But it gets headlines, and it gets people concerned, and then it gets people to say, see, if Hunter Biden's laptop, the social media company, that's all this is designed to do. Don't fall for it. Don't, first of all, it's information we knew. Gee, if we knew the truth about this guy, do you think that could have impacted one way or another, or maybe not even to change it, but one way or another, would have made an impact in the election? Yes, of course we would have, it would have made an impact. The more you know and the more people pay attention to it, the more things will change in an election. It's just that simple. But if you look back retroactively and you say, well, you, Joe Biden is wildly unpopular. Would you wish that the other guy had won? Might this have changed? Of course, something would have changed it. If Joe Biden's wildly popular and things are going great, that number would be significantly less. It's just how it is. This poll is designed to make news, to create news. And it works. Here we are, we're talking about it, other people are talking about it, Breitbart wrote it up. The UK Daily Mail, their headline, exclusive, if only we'd known, colon. Three quarters of survey respondents say voters uh, lacked critical information about Hunter Biden's laptop during the 2020 election, and half would have voted differently. If the economy's going gangbusters, this number is much lower. But I still don't know who TIPP Insights is. There's Americans who track the Hunter Biden laptop story by a wide margin, say the FBI misled the public about claims about disinformation and that the 2020 elections may have played out differently had the story not been suppressed. How do you know you're dealing with a scam clickbait story? All the weasel words. Look, I get it. I believe the poll is somewhat accurate. We'll never know. We can't prove it, can't disprove it. But the weasel words here may have. Oh, by a wide margin, the FBI misled the public. They say that the 2020 election may have played out differently. What may have played out differently? May is different than it would have. Their headlines, it's half, would have voted differently. Now, they may have voted differently. Things may have changed. The headline at Breitbart, say 71% say accurate reporting on Hunter's laptop could have altered the election. Well, if, if Joe Biden had soiled himself on the debate stage or he lost bladder control on the debate stage for the whole world to see, that might have changed things. He didn't, or he was wearing super absorbent adult diapers, whatever the case is, but you can construct all sorts of hypothetical situations that could have, would have changed scenarios, maybe. Nothing changes reality now going forward. It's time for people to get over 
2020 and focus on 2021. Use 2020 as a motivator, as anger to go, oh my God, we're going to go forward. We're going to make sure this never happens again. Or we're going to get really good at this. We're going to beat them at their own game and we're going to win. But sitting around in your rear view mirror only means you're more than likely to hit a brick wall driving forward because you're not paying attention to what really matters. All right, as we uh, begin to wrap it up, there is a uh, an update here. Somebody sent me this via Twitter. Chucky. Chucky sent this, so thank you, Chucky. Chucky, no check. <laughs> Said he read my column. Where I compared this woman to Larry Zonka. And she looks like Larry Zonka. I'm sorry, she looks like Larry Zonka. But the woman who said yesterday, oh, I can't vote for this cis white male for school board president, it just wouldn't be right. It would send the wrong message, all the wrong messages that we want to send. I'm like, what the hell kind of message do you want to send? How dare the uh, predominant taxpayer in this school district have a voice? You're one of eight, nine school board members. One, there's only one that's straight white male. I promise you their their taxpayer base is significantly higher it's probably lousy with straight white males. Well, anyway, Larry Zonka, <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, fullback. I found it in my column, if you haven't read it yet. I found a picture of Larry Zonka from the 70s and linked to it. It looks just like her, except for the mustache. The mustache. Hers is shaved down much, much lower. Uh, New story, Philadelphia Inquiry School Board uh, Director in Upper Marlboro School District will step down in January after saying the board shouldn't elect a cis white male as its president. The Montgomery County, what is it with Montgomery counties? Every summer there's a Montgomery County, you can just count it being some left-wing lunatic place. Montgomery County School District on Monday announced Jennifer Sullett planned resignation, noting she made comments, quote, that many in our community took offense to during a December 6th school board meeting. They were racist comments. That's why you're, t- why you're taking offense to this. Some people took offense to being told, sit down, Whitey. We don't want to hear from you. You know, and it's on them, their fault. Quote, as a result of this incident, Ms. Solat has decided to resign from the board effective January 2nd, 2023. She wishes to apologize for her poorly chosen words, and does not want to be a distraction from the great things happening in our schools on a daily basis. Superintendent Susan Elliott and Board President April Stainback said in a statement. See, April Stainback got the gig, man. She's, she won. This woman comes out and says, we shouldn't elect Whitey. Evil Whitey. No Whiteys. And all the other school board members are like, oh, God, now if I vote for evil Whitey, I'm like a jackass. I can't vote for evil whitey. All right, I guess I'll vote for uh, stain stain sheets or stain back or whatever. <sighs> like school boards across the region, Upper Moreland uh, last week held an annual reorganization meeting to choose a new president. As two members were nominated, Stainbeck uh, and Greg D'Elia, Salat said she had a comment. Quote, I believe Dr. or Mr. Elia would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board president of this district sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what the board are trying to accomplish, which what are you trying to accomplish? ticking off a huge percentage of people in the country. Congratulations. Mission accomplished. 
<laughs> no other board members commented before voting eight to one to elect Steinbeck. Now, if you're Steinbeck, aren't you ticked off at Larry Zonka here going, well, I might have won this thing legit. But you and your big mouth and your inability to be a decent human being and just shut the hell up for a minute, your left-wing politics now make me look like a jackass who only won because I'm a woman. Thanks for nothing. That's really what she should be saying. I hope she said it in private. In their uh, statement, Elliot and Steinbeck said the comments made by Salat, a board member of five years, were, quote, solely hers and were not intended to represent the opinion of the entire school board district of directors or the district as a whole. Quote, indeed, board director Greg D'Elia, who is the subject of her comments, said he, quote, he supports diversity. But these comments did not further diversity and reflected poorly on our community, the superintendent and board president added. They said the district focuses, quote, on non-discrimination across our schools and classrooms, end quote. And then in all staffing positions, quote, we hire the most qualified person for the position and do not discriminate. Now, they're basically declaring war right there on the left. We are not anti-racist we are not racist and there's a difference between being anti-racist and non-racist to be non-racist you just have to be a normal human being i don't give a damn about it i'm not going to play the game i'm not a racist to be anti-racist is you have to be actually racist ironically it's one of those things just like being an anti-fascist means you have to be a fascist um being non-racist means you have to hate everybody except whatever group is favored at any given moment. And you have to actively discriminate against certain groups at certain times in the name of justice and correcting historical wrongs or what have you. Yeah, these people are pigs. Larry Zonka deserves to be out of a job. Couldn't happen to a nicer dude. Poor bastard. Somebody's married to that person. Uh, lastly, just a quick note. I haven't gone too much into this. Probably should have done a little more, but we're out of time. The FTX thing, and Sam Bankman-Fried been arrested. Going to see there's going to be an extradition hearing. He's charged with bank fraud and wire fraud, all sorts of felonies. The federal government had the Bahamian officials arrest him last night, the day before he was slated to testify via video link before Congress, before the House Financial Services Committee. A lot of people, myself included, think that the government should have waited a day. They really could have. Now, why would you not wait a day? Maybe you don't want him to testify. Why? Because this would be the first time that he'd be asked questions by a Republican. He's been asked questions by Democrats in the media, but he hasn't been asked questions by a Republican. They might get into, where did all that money go? How much did you give to Democrats, etc., etc.? Wildly uncomfortable things Democrats do not want the public to know or to even think about. And so this current Democrat administration definitely doesn't want that. They were the biggest recipient of his largesse, his largesse with other people's money. So they had him arrested the day before. What's the difference? A day. There's no difference in a day. And in fact, by arresting him before he testifies under oath before Congress actually makes the Democrats in the, the Justice Department's case much more difficult to make. The odds of him ever testifying under oath in a criminal trial of himself are next to nothing. But if he gives sworn testimony before Congress, you can introduce pieces of that 
testimony at a trial. He doesn't have to take the stand. You can refute what he said under oath. Now, if his lawyers then go and say, well, that was wrong and here's the truth, then you could charge him also with perjury before Congress. You could have done so much more if they just let him testify. But the risks were too high. That's why he had to be arrested early. What a difference a day makes. Ladies and gents, a conspiracy theory, sure, fine, but it's probably true. Poke a hole in it. Go ahead. We're out of time for today. I appreciate the use of your ears. Keep telling your friends, spreading the word. It's only worth doing if you guys are listening. So I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.